podcast one production. <coughs> yeah, all right, I'm ready. Shall we hop on the Homo Express? Let's hop on the Homo Express. <laughs> woo woo! This is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. And we're doing a podcast because what we're wearing is too good for you to look at. I'm coming up. I want the world to know. I didn't really meet you halfway there, did I? So, people listening at home slash on the train slash on the bus slash... If anyone's got, like, a yacht, you should play this to, like, surround sound yacht. I am such a thought for a yacht. That hoe over there. What? Yeah, bitch. I never knew that thought was an acronym. Like, look at her. Look at that thought. That hoe over there. Oh, I don't know why I just turned to the (laughs) the corner that you were just pointing out to explain that. Thought stands for that. Yeah. I never knew that. I just thought that that was like Twittery yeah. gays like coming up with like a new thing. And I was like, yeah. No, that hoe over there. I am so across I want to hear a podcast on a yacht. We should record that. Anyway, uh, this weekend I learned something new about Andrew, which I didn't really think was possible because like we spend most of our time together and don't. Like, yeah, I poo with the door open. There's there's very little, very little left. Yeah, look, there's some things I'd like to change. Once Christian was throwing up in a pub toilet and he put his vomity fingers in my mouth, there's very few boundaries here. Like, we're min, min boundaries. Um, but anyway, I learned something new this weekend because I wanted to watch Spice World. Uh, because after the football, we'd been to the football, we'd been to the football, and I wanted to watch Spice World because, like, duh, like, I've been too mask, I just went to the football, I need to like gay it up. So, what's gay gay about the Spice Girls? We put it on and Andrew apparently knows literally without any over-exaggeration every single word to the Spice World movie. I can start and finish the entire film, every line by every person. Did you even know that you could do that? I had it. Did you know that was inside you? I had a feeling. That I could do it. Because it's not even as though you were the one suggesting it. Like, I mean, I don't watch it every day anymore. Because if I knew, like, the words to every, like, line in a film, I would be like, oh, my God, we should totally watch this. And then, like, bust it out. You were. The Spice Girls were Icons. a big part of my youth, I guess. I mean, like, I feel like any gay boy slash... Look, completely. Absolutely. I think I, like, girl Around girl in power, the 90s. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think I was just very of the age that they were targeting. So in 1996, when Wannabe came out, I was six. And there was something very um, kid-friendly about their music. But when... Now, I'm actually going to tie this to our topic today. So you better get fucking ready. There was something for me as a gay man overtly sexual about the Spice Girls. The way they were like the really the first girl band that I can kind of remember or kind of looking back now that just owned their sexuality visually. Like even their characters, Ginger Spice was just a politically correct way to say... Slutty Spice. Yeah, absolutely. And we say Slutty Spice with love. Slutty Spice is not a diss in our book. I love Jerry Halliwell. Very few people can come back for their sophomore solo album at the age of 45 and go back to dance school. Do you know what... (laughs) Do you know what I love about It's Raining Men, the music video, is the fact that she went and got a hot bod and then she was like, I'm going to make this immortalised in pop culture. I like that she's still trying to wash the red out of her hair. (laughs) Nothing gets red out. Nothing gets this red out. Do you think that your sexual identity 
is uh, a big contributing factor to how you respond to fashion? Yeah, I definitely do. I think that as gay men, we're sort of already used to being a bit on the outskirts. We're used to sort of a sense of... Um, outskirts, get it? Did you hear that pun? He shot you with his pun gun. Pew! Pew! Carry on. <laughs> um, we're used to like a sense of discrimination and sort of being different. So I think that because of that, we don't really feel the need to... We're unafraid to like really kind of push barriers and we're not as constrained by social what's socially acceptable i think that if it was socially acceptable for all men to wear like crop tops these days everyone would do it but as gay men we don't already feel the need to fit into that barrier absolutely um i'm just gonna pause uh, Christian said Wait, this to on, me on the street on. the other day and it was so fucking funny. And it was so funny. I fucking died. Like, I was D-E-D. That's the sound that TiVo used to make when you paused it. Yeah, I didn't have that. I had a rough childhood. So I'm walking down the street with Christian, living our best lives, and a lovely young homosexual gentleman walks past us. And Christian turns to me stone-faced and he goes, Whatever publicist got it across the line that all gay men are well-dressed deserves an award. Like, because he's incorrect. Tell me what you're wearing today, doll. Um, I am wearing a pair of vintage Armani jeans with a little um, Gucci monogram sock and a little Gucci Mary Janes, which you bought for Derby Day. I have an adorable um, uh, Gucci T-shirt on from the first collection by Alessandro, the men's one with the big embroidered butterfly on it. And then I have an inside-out Burberry trench coat. Just to top it off. The trench coat's beautiful, though. Like, inside yeah. out, everyone loves it. Yeah, absolutely. Abs and pecs, absolutely. It's cute. Um, and what about you? Are you wearing anything interesting? Um, I mean, not really. I'm wearing your... I mean, nothing that's flattering. Gu- <laughs> I'm wearing your Gucci mesh little t-shirt and some high-waisted AMI pants. But I'm also wearing... Oh, I'm wearing the JW Anderson socks that you got me for oh, my birthday. Oh, I did! But I'm also wearing these sneakers that I got. I'm not a sneaker person. Although you are sneaky. Yeah, which is weird because they usually go hand in hand. However, you've given me like a thorough appreciation for Comme de Garçon. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved the color pink because it's superior to every other color. Mm. And mm. Comme de Garçon did this collaboration with Nike and they released three sort of different types of pink sneakers. Mm. They're they very 180s. Fun. Yeah, I think they're 180s. Yeah, okay, sure, whatever. Oh, um, we're like sneaker people. Now. Yeah, oh, wow, look at that. Um, but yeah, I'm wearing sneakers. Would you classify these as ugly sneakers? They, like, are, they are definitely the- ugly sneakers. Oh, okay. Yeah, like in the best way. I think that sexuality and fashion are a lot more... Um, connected than we really understand. I think not only in kind of this expressive way where, you know, you can wear a short skirt if you're feeling sassy, but also we have a very close friend who didn't come out until he was 28 and every fashion choice he made before then was incredibly considered. Everything, every T-shirt, every sh- everything he wore, he would spend so much time thinking about because he was not trying to be outed by this. Now, Post him coming out at the age of 28, he is the biggest skirt-wearing, ruffle-shirt-buying, high-snapping... He, I would say there's one person in this world who is, like, more into fashion than Christian and I, and that's him. And it has been, like... Especially queer fashion. Yeah, it has been this whole, like, cathartic release for him now since doing that. It's, it's, It's almost like 
a political statement for him now to be able to wear these things and and be interested in Raf Simmons and things like that. And I think the more that you actually pre- appreciate a different sort of queer alternative perspective, the more you see it in clothing. But women also, this is a huge moment for them in fashion. Like we have seen the rise of the hemline. We've seen the drop of the hemline again. We kind of uh, are still definitely in the climate of slut shaming a girl for how she dresses. Like you don't have to be dressing like a hoochie to have uh, this conversation of sexuality and fashion. It's just about owning your sexuality. Yeah. And that's what I see again with our friend is now he is dressing authentically without like compromise, without worrying about how his sexuality is being perceived through fashion because it's not we it's not just used to celebrate it's also used to disguise and i think that's that's the interesting thing is people you know you always hear that fucking lame eh, fashion is the armor you use to survive your every day but some people really are using yeah. it as the armor to survive their every day just to bring this back to Spice World, there's a scene in it where they're sitting outside this house that they're staying in after uh, dance practice and Jerry tells this great story about how in the rainforest or jungle or something, these animals, when they're trying to attract a mate, they the male actually goes up and pees on the female and then they, they copulate after that. And I think that's very, it's just human nature, what is sexy. So once you're confident with your identity, you like you can wear anything and be sexy, hopefully. But if I'm dressing to be sexy for you, I just, I know what, I know what boys like. It's mine. I peed on it. <laughs> Poodles, if you don't have legs, you can't wear high heels. And if you don't have a brain, here's a history segment. Watch closely. Welcome to the Radical Fashionism School of Fashion for the Gifted. And the not so gifted. I love it. Yes, I'd love to teach you something. I've done a little bit of research. And I guess when we talk about fashion all the time, like it's intended like suggestion of beauty, which I I guess is fashion's point is to at the very end to be appealing. It already creates an impression of sensuality and therefore sexuality. The the ideas of femininity and masculinity, they're really being challenged in, in current trends. I mean, to illustrate this, you can look at somebody like Miu Miu's Autumn Winter 2012 collection, which, you know, was an advocation of ugly chic. Mauricio Prada was like subverting all traditional ideas of beauty and sexiness uh, in this collection. In her Autumn Winter 2012 collection, which was very like 70s inspired, you, uh, you know, androgyny, you had platform heels, you had big lapels, you had those bold clashing colours, you had the, the, the actual print of the nudie ladies all over it with the swallows. So there's, there's, there's all those kind of ideas which are challenging traditional femininity. Another, and I think you like this designer, another designer who has embraced the androgyny aesthetic is uh, France, uh, Francesco. Scagnamilgo. I can never say yeah, his last name. I'm not going to try. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Um, he's kind of the he's mastered the art of seduction by pairing the masculine and the feminine kind of lapeled trouser suits. Um, they're kind of nonchalant, romantic, with like a silk dress, a utilitarian pant. Um, well, I think with these items, like you were saying, and especially. With Miu Miu, as you were talking about earlier, it's the idea is that they're not subtle looks. They're very strong looks. And mm. it takes a very particular type of person to be able to wear it because I think that a lot of people would back down from that. And 
seeing someone take on that and have the confidence to wear that is inherently sexy. Yeah, I mean, the boundaries between masculine and feminine are blurring and kind of what society deems as acceptable for for each gender and and sexuality is changing. Kind of this refusal to conform to those rigid gender constructs is, uh, it's intriguing and it's intriguing both the sexes and I think it stirs up a sexiness that we don't really understand yet and that's why it's sexy. Um, And then on the other hand of the spectrum, of course, you have designers who overtly celebrate female femininity and sexiness like Tom Ford, who's obviously been criticised for using sexiness as the bottom line of his women's wear collections. But like, should this even be an issue? I also think that looking back at Tom Ford's stuff, even when he was at Gucci in the 90s, his woman was always very much in control. Well, that's right. There's a there's a really important nuance between wanting to look and feel sexy and wanting to be viewed as a sex, sexual object. And Tom Ford's garments, are they're kind of all about the former. They're not about being a sexual object. They're about, they're about being in control. His spring-summer 2013 collection revolves around the theme of perversity and chastity. Chastity came in the form of like beautiful cashmere camel sweaters and like taupe skirts, whereas the perversity was portrayed through black patent pencil skirts and kind of multi-buckled strap boots and like bondage-esque sandals. It's It was sexy and transgressive. There was nothing like, there's nothing submissive about the Tom Ford yeah. woman there. No, she's... um. She's very much in power. She's not objectified. Uh, 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 but still, <laughs> sorry, that was like the devil. The devil was inside me. <laughs> sorry. It's good. We don't mean to laugh at you. I'm never doing another history section You're again. getting so many scratch and sniff stickers <laughs> on this assignment. Um, there's nothing submissive about the Tom Ford woman. There's always, you know, something. She's very in control of it. So I think, you know, if she's not being objectified as a male's kind of plaything, but empowered with her own sexuality, I don't, I don't think it is an issue kind of, I think both conversations are great conversations about sexuality and fashion. And fashion is a fucking art form that's like all encompassing. So designers have different notions and stimuluses, blah, blah, blah. But it's like how you choose to mix up these elements ourselves, which is the important thing. Style is such an individual preference and tool of self-expression that fashion and sexuality, it's, it's your sexuality. It's not Tom Ford's, it's not Mew Mew's. It's, they're just people that are creating things that you're using through, through these collections. That was history, right? This is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. So usually at this time we have a guest join us in here and we like have a bit of a chat. We don't like to think of it as an interview. They're our friends and we're just having like a guest little... Guest is such a formal... Um, what, and This might shock you guys. Wag. This guy's might shock you, but we don't live in your phones. We don't actually... We're, we're somewhere else. I do. Help me. I'm stuck in here. Once I cried because I went to this thing that Monica Trapica was at and she was giving away a cubby house and I didn't win the cubby house, which made me cry. But I was also really shocked how they got her out of the TV and I was really scared that when I got home, she wouldn't be on play school because she was here giving a fucking cubby house away to other people who weren't me. Anyway. So like usually our friends would come here to us, but unfortunately we can't have our friend come and meet us here today. So through the power of our homosexuality, we're going to go to them. Judy, Barbara, Liza, Beth. These, These are names, names I can't forget. forget. It's like you click your heels together like Dorothy did, but with more lube. <laughs> wow. Should we just like list gay icons like uh, and like whisper them? Yeah. Kylie. <laughs> sure. 
I think we're here now. Ding. Oh, can it be like a microwave sound? <laughs> no, can it be the grinder Ding. unlock? Oh, that's fucking yeah. funny. I wasn't expecting that first thing in the morning, that's for sure. <laughs> Christian, fix your fucking hair. We're about to meet Boy George. Fucking legendary, mate. So we're here to talk about fashion with you. I know nothing about fashion. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I mean, I think the trick is to avoid it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is I, I, that's not true. It's not, not true either. It's sort of... I love clothes, but I don't really care about them. And people always think like, you know, like there are people in the world who are obsessed with clothes and labels and what's hip. And I am, but I'm not. Yeah. So like I just, my attitude's always been like, if something's like really cheap, I'll get that. If I can get something free off a designer, yeah. I'll get that. <laughs> you know, there are occasional things that I'm like, okay, I have to have. There's certain things I go, I have to have that, but... More and more recently, I've just been getting everything made because what happens is you go somewhere and everyone's wearing exactly the same of things course. you're wearing. Yeah. Plus, fashion has become so accessible now. So, yeah. finding anything that's slightly individual is literally impossible. Yeah, yeah. I, I like making these myself as well. I mean, I've done a certain degree of kind of, you know, home sewing in my life, but I get bored of things. Where do you see your style evolving in the next, like, year? Like, short term? Like, is there anything you're loving at the moment? Do you just want to rip it all off and put on a no, canela caftan? I'm making more stuff of my own, you know, using a lot of my own artwork to create things, printing fabric, which is very expensive. Yes, it it's is. It's not easy yeah. and cheap. It's like, how much? Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's more fun to... I mean, working with... I've always kind of worked... A lot of the things I wear now are things I wore 30 years ago. You know, and I look at things in shops and go, oh my God, this is like what I wore 30 years ago, but it's better made or yeah. cut nicer. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, using kind of classic traditional kind of shapes, but just trying to find, you know, make coming up with patterns, you know, getting things covered. Recently, I've been getting a lot of hats covered. I found this amazing guy to cover my hats and it's just beyond you know, like, just so that you got something that, you know, it's a little bit obsessive, but yeah. it's like, no, you can't get this. And then people go, what are you wearing? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Me, my designer, yeah. thank you. I mean, ultimately, I would love to do my own clothing. I'd love to do clothing, you know, because, you know, I think that, it, you know, as I say, I love, I love clothes, but I don't really care about them to the point where I don't judge people on what they wear. Yeah. But, you know, because people can be interesting without dressing up and yeah. people can be really boring when yeah. they dress up. You know, like you meet these people and you just think, oh my God, no wonder you've got no personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean though? I think sometimes yeah, people totally. use fashion to just sneer yeah. and look down at everyone and, you know, it's like, you know, so those people really get on my nerves. So I like having things that no one else has got. So go, oh, where'd you get that from? You can't get it. Yeah. Impossible. Doesn't matter. Impossible. <laughs> Visually, from a young age, like what were you kind of inspired or drawn to? For me as a young homosexual, it was Mermaids and Jerry Hall. Did you have something that you like started with? Everything. You, like, just all of it. Just basically, initially, like sort of Carmen Miranda, Fernie Liz Taylor, oh. you know, um, Busby Berkeley movies, all that kind of stuff, you know, Gold Diggers of 19th. 
33, is it? I think, yeah. or whatever. Um, anything like stuff on the Saturday afternoon TV was a big inspiration for me, like watching all those old movies. Yeah, and, course. you know, just anything kind of iconic. But Carmen Miranda was a big one. Yeah. I mean, if you know, Mother hat- Teresa, not Mother Teresa, what's her name? Sister, I'm going to say Mother Teresa. Sister, yeah. Sister, Absolutely Sister, Sister, Sister Bernadette, I think her name was. She used to do Dominica, Dominica. Do you the song? Yeah. Na, 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 na. I think she was on that. Any kind anyway, of... Anyway, anything that was just like extreme. Any kind Harry of... Harry Krishna's, you yeah. know, Indian clothing. Just anything like magpie stuff. You know, just anything glittery, colourful. Freddie Mercury, obviously Bowie, you know. Yeah. All of that stuff, it was just everything. And even even now, I think it's the same. I kind of just look at things, oh, that's nice, but I would do that with it. Or, yeah. How would I make that more me? You know, I never liked the way I looked when I was a kid, so yeah. I just went out of my way to transform myself. And when I discovered makeup, I was like, oh, my God, when I realised what you could do with an eyebrow pencil. <laughs> you know, like, the first thing I ever did was black lips. And that just totally changed your face. And then it was like, oh, more and more, and it just became, you know... What it is beat now, really? that face. <laughs> yeah, beat it. Beat it like you stole it. But did you or do you ever <clears throat> consider your sexuality when curating an outfit? No. I mean, I think when I was... If I go back to, like, my fir- first time I ever went to a gay club in the 70s, I thought I'm stepping into the gay community. I didn't really think of it in those literal terms, but yeah. I just thought, I'm going to a gay club. I'm going to meet my, you know, the other... Bees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was sort of during the punk period and we were sort of marching there in our kind of, you know, punky clothes with our spiky hair. And everybody looked like, you know, cowboys. You know, it was like village people. Yeah, everybody had like, you know, a look on, but it was all construction workers. It was yeah. all like, let's try and look as, as straight as possible. Yeah. Has anything really changed? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, I think people are more outrageous. Yeah. I was actually, where I grew up, I was there recently a couple of years ago and I was standing, I was waiting for someone to pick me up outside the station and I saw this boy walking like past and he had like the tightest jeans. He had a massive handbag. He wasn't really in drag, but he was like, on the edge of, yeah. like, yeah. it was just that kind of quaffered beyond with this huge, huge lady's handbag. You know, you would have definitely yeah. got beat up when I was a kid. You'd have got chased, you know. I mean, people get on the bus to hit you. Yeah. You know, you just duck down on the bus. Yeah. You like, they get down. But I think that when we were kids, it was just, you know, it was sort of Bowie, punk rock, and then sort of it became its own thing. You know, it was yeah, like of course. punk rock became quite, Ordinary. It became like people were pogoing and spitting, and yeah. Yeah. if you'd spent hours doing your face, the last thing you wanted to do was be spat on. No, <laughs> absolutely not. I remember a big turning point for me in the like seventies was going to. I went to a punk gig and I was really dressed up, like really shirt, like quite goth, quite Susie. Yeah, and I remember someone tipped a pint of beer on my head because <sighs> I was too much, and that's when I knew that there was a turning point, yeah. and then sort of like. You know, from that, there was. I think that was going on for a lot of people. And then suddenly, these new clubs opened. You know, like people like Steve Strange and all those characters were like opening these clubs for people who just didn't want to get yeah, beer yeah. dropped on their heads. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of, you know, it sort of became something else. But everything's a reaction to something. You know, like when the Smiths came along, Culture Club were, you know, sort of the extreme. You yeah. know. And then suddenly Morrissey comes along with a hearing aid and a cardigan and it's yeah. sort of a reaction against of course. what we represented. And I love that about pop culture, but it doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, there's not the ebbs and flows, I guess, particularly in aesthetics. I never see them go 
high and then low. Well, like people want to fit in now. So there's yeah. this whole thing of like, everyone wants to be a version of someone else. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, we were talking about this in the car on the way here about songwriting, that people can have really beautiful voices and you can go, oh yeah, I love the way they sing, but the song's about nothing. Yeah. You know, they're not revealing anything about themselves. They're not sort of telling a story. Um, probably the only person that sort of does is Adele. Yeah. You know, because yeah. she's singing about her relationships. But generally people write really crafted pop songs. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before that you don't, like fashion and no I do I like it but I don't I'm not a slave to it you're not a slave to it I'm not someone like you know like sometimes fashion like the wrong pair of earrings can topple an empire yeah you know like (laughs) if you don't get the right seat at the fashion show yeah if you're not front row it's all over so there's that kind of extreme fashion obsession um, which I don't think I have, but I do love clothes. Like, I love clothes. I get yeah. really excited if I see something. You know, I love still read magazines, and I just I get excited. It excites yeah. me. So how do you reconcile those kind of, uh, those feelings when you're working with people like Chris Van Ash at Dear Om? Like, how do you put aside uh, that kind of commerce concept that you don't love about fashion? Well, I don't think about together? that, because I think the people like him are, yeah. they're passionate, you yeah. know, and they... A lot of fashion people have similar reference points to me. You know, like a lot of my friends will be people I work with. um, We have similar aesthetics, you know, like there's certain things that you know, if somebody doesn't like David Bowie, you know that you're not really going to have a very good relationship with that person. Yeah, Yeah. People that say I don't like reggae, you're you're disturbed. But do you think that this younger generation of designers such as Tom Brown and Palomo Spain pay enough homage to people like you and Vivian Westwood and I think Ray. they do actually I think you know when I worked with Dior which was that was really funny because I said to my manager we were always discussing you know like things that we can do now and having fun ideas and I said I'll do some modelling which he thought was hilarious <laughs> and he was like you're never going to get a model so I could be like a character model anyway he laughed at me and then about three weeks later I got the Dior gig and I was like showbiz you know? um, and actually when I went there and worked with them I was like a lot of the stuff I said oh this is really you know reminds me of Judy Blame said, no, that's why that's the point the reference point is Judy Blame and yeah. is all these different people and you know it's obvious to me if you've been around long enough you know all those reference points so I'm always like, you know, when I see Gaga in an outfit, I'm like, no, where that's come from. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <Grace> Jones. yeah. <laughs> you know, whoever. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I don't like it. I yeah. love it. I still love it and celebrate it. I'd rather see somebody marching down the high street with a head of blue dreadlocks and platform shoes on than, you know, it, you know, I still get excited and, and it still makes me smile when I see somebody making an effort, you yeah. know. And um, I think it's, it's important to be able to celebrate those reference points yeah. and not be too bogged down in, oh, I did that 20 years ago or whatever, or, you know, I invented this. It's, yeah. You know, I think the interesting thing about nowadays is that, like, when I was 16, there's no way you'd have left the house in a T-shirt with wearing a T-shirt of some band you didn't love. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you would never yeah. walk around with you know, the Ramones if you didn't know who they were. Yeah. And now people are just like, oh, what, is this a band? You know, <laughs> I thought it was like, you know, H&M, like, what's the brand? And it's, the Ramones, who are they? I wonder what it must be like to just have no loyalty to anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think that your style will ever evolve to a place where you can just wear a completely normal tailored suit and no makeup? No. and no. That's the answer I wanted. No, yeah. I'm not, not You're really never just going to do like a juicy normal. couture track, so... Uh, well, only in private. <laughs> I kind of agree with Carl Lagerfeld. If you were wearing track pants... You've, you've lost control. Kind of just given up. Yeah, yeah basically. But I think... Look, my thing is that I basically... I'm either done or I'm not done. Yeah. I haven't got a middle ground. No. In anything. So, 
sometimes, like, you know, I'll get snapped shopping. I'm like, oh, that's not me. That's not even me. You know, because my sort of life out of the showbiz, you know, spectrum is I just, you know, I'm literally not done. So the idea of like, like anyone even, yeah, enslaved, you know, just a bit, like, whatever, you know, but I haven't really, I haven't ever found like a summer look. Never found a summer look. Disaster. Yeah, summer's hard. Never, you know, I just never got that one off the Summer ground. bodies are made in winter and winter's a time for eating. Yeah. So it's just yeah, like a vicious it's just cycle. Weird. So I just feel like I'm done or I'm not done. Yeah. So I'm Boy George or I'm just, I don't exist. Yeah. And people are like, you know, it's, it's funny because obviously I get treated very differently when I'm dressed and when I'm in my civvies. Like people, it's so different. It's just beyond like the way people behave. Do people notice you when you're not? Yeah. Boy, they do. Yeah, people come up and they'll say, oh, you know, or people recognise my voice. Yeah, people, if they're fans, they, they know who you are no matter yeah. what you do. You know, I've gone out in disguise before and people go, oh, hi, George. I'm like, oh, God, that worked. <laughs> 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 I think that, you know, I mean, obviously I'm much more comfortable with who I am at this point in my life, so I'm not bothered. I remember this one funny experience I had. I met Dolly Parton. I did a record with Dolly Parton and I walked in to meet Everybody. her like, dressed really scruffy and she was like, you go out like that? Yeah. And I was like, all the time. She goes, oh my God, I never could. And I kind of really appreciate people like her. Like, yeah. you've just got that patience. Do you ever look back at sort of like younger gays now and sort of see your influence? Have you ever, have you ever heard of a man called David Hoyle? No. He's another person. That, there's this thing on the internet called Melancholic Youth. And it's David Hoyle. He's this mad sort of northern English drag queen. But like, it's very like... You know, smudge lipstick. It's very. It's like Judy Garland, sort of after a night on the tiles, you know, after a <laughs> fight or something. You know, and he's Playing amazing. And he does this whole thing about. I can't use the language he uses, but he talks about how there are seventeen-year-old out there who have no idea what people went through to give them this sort of, you yeah. know, the right to be so, you know, kind of melancholic and indifferent. And I think it's just really, you can't tell people what to experience do you know what I mean it's when you're when I was 17 or whatever you know coming into the gay scene I didn't really know much about what had gone before but I discovered people like Quentin Crisp you know and I realised that you know even before David Bowie there were people like Quentin Crisp who were just yeah. breaking boundaries you know because they couldn't do anything else yeah. it was a condition it wasn't like a choice it was just yeah. who they were and that blew my mind you know I remember there's a program called The Naked Civil Servant which is about Quentin Crisp and it's really seminal I think for any young gay person to watch it because I watched it mm -hmm. and what was really funny it was in the 70s I was still at school and I went back to school and my name was Quentin for like the yeah. next year I was like Quentin Crisp Quentin Crisp <laughs> anyone that was camp on telly I became that person yeah, you yeah. Know? And I grew up with that. You know, I go into school and if anyone had been on TV, like a comedian in drag or anyone that was slightly effeminate, that would be who yeah. I'd get called yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> there was this one character called, um, he used to do this thing called, oh, shut that door. You know, he's like this kind of guy and that was <laughs> all the time I got yeah. it, all the time. Shut that door, Larry Grayson. Yeah. yeah. So I got, you know, I grew up with that. But the difference between me and a lot of other gay people from my generation... It never bothered me. Yeah. yeah. It never made me like kind of campophobic or, yeah, yeah. you know, I've always thought those people were like 
suffragettes. Absolutely. They got away with what they could yeah. and they did amazing things and they made me free. Yeah. So I never look about yeah. look at them. I've never been one of these people that like looks at camp people and has a problem with it. Yeah. I either like people or I don't. I don't think there's there's no reason why. Whenever I hear anyone moaning in my business, I used to moan a lot in the nineties, but I've got over it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just think I'm so lucky. I really do think that as well. I think I, I mean I moan. Obviously, I have moments, but I just think doing what we do, or you know, just being able to kind of shape your own existence, yeah, is such an amazing thing. I don't know if people can do it now. Holy shit! Though, just on a side note, we recently went and saw Celine Dion. Oh my god! <laughs> my heart did not only go on; it went off. I had the most fun ever. Just wanted to tell everyone that story. Gal. Richard, the absolute fucking saint, had us in the pew, corporate pew, pew, box. Pew, pew. So it's free drinks. And I don't know what's wrong with Christian and I. Like, we know that the free drinks aren't going to go away. We know that they're there the whole time. Why am I sitting here with two glasses of Riesling, a beer and a fucking espresso martini, drinking all four periodically? Twice I spilt the espresso martini as it was handed to me. And they're like, we'll get you another. And I'm like, mm, surely by the second time you need to be like, we're cutting you off. Picture this corporate box. So it's like the balcony. My heart will go on comes on. I have Virginia, Richard's girlfriend, pressed up against the balcony with her arms out, holding her like Jack, screaming, I'll never let go. Gross. The people below us, the people below us are like, we're trying to hear Celine. I sang every, like Richard had to actively tell us to settle down several we times. Did. And we were so drunk. We were like, you don't even, you're ruining it. Now after it, I'm like, no, we needed to settle right down. Okie dokie. Well, guess you better call your dad. Yeah, well, I mean, if I don't call him every half hour, he actually calls the police. Yep. So, Maybe And it's been 31 minutes, so I'm actually surprised that I don't have 37 missed calls. I mean, I'll be surprised if he picks up. Hi, thanks for calling. Leave a message and I'll get right back to you. Bye. Hi, Daddy. It's me, your favourite child, Christian. Um, yeah, I'm just here with Andy. Hi, Richard. Um, and we're doing a podcast today. We talked to Boy George. Um, we talked to Boy George about sexuality, which was actually amazing. I know that you sort of known him for a long time and talked to him about his music, but talking to him about like fashion and sexuality as gay men um, is was really interesting. And he um, he was really talking about how people should be unafraid, except for your skinny jeans, which should be very afraid. Love you. Give me a call back. Radical Fashionism was presented by Christian Wilkins and Andy Kelly, created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Alex Mitchell, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au. Download the Podcast One app or search Radical Fashionism on Apple Podcasts.